Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Achieving Reality, the podcast. On this episode, we talk to Chris Etheridge and Jason Palmer of the independent film The Morningside Monster. We pick their brains and see into the minds of a filmmaker and a film writer. We learn the ins and outs and plenty of other informative bits. So sit back and take a listen to the boys learning something new. Yeah, finally. I require three glasses as tribute. Three glasses? <laughs> three of the, the Star Wars mugs. Oh, oh my goodness. You should, you should have been here another day. One them. Friday the 13th. Uh, 18 inch. Uh, 18, 18 inch motion activated. Yeah. I took him into the banana room. I heard. Mm. Jason um, about lost his mind when he saw my one. Well, Jason. <laughs> I'll tell you, I used to do uh, show promotions for local punk rock bands when I lived up in Jersey. And occasionally we'd get a bigger band and they would send me their rider contract. And these things were ridiculous. Yeah. It was like, we need, you know, like a food plate. And I'd call the guy up and I'd be like, dude, this is a show in a basement <laughs> or, you know, in somebody's house or, you know, at like a Legion Hall. I, I can't provide fruit baskets and, you know, cases of water. And You've seen the video of David Lee Roth explaining the M&Ms, right? That was uh, just to make, yeah. sure make sure they read the writer. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah. Get, they put so much stuff in it that you're going to miss something. And if their technicians go up there and find something wrong, like the, the stage is unstable or something, it gives them an out. Mm. You didn't supply the M&Ms. We're not performing the show. Yeah. Because I was. But basically, I was, the thing is, our, the stage isn't safe. It won't hold our gear. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to um, the guy, one of the guys who sure. runs Thank Horizon you. Wireless, and he used to have to do the the amphitheater. He used to. Uh, the yeah, the actual company. Yeah, he. Uh, Chilling with the CEO is cool, man. Because <laughs> you know a writer contract with the phone company would be weird. But he was telling me uh, Madonna. I need one of those. When man. he would, when he was in another city, Madonna said you have to replace every single toilet in the in the entire arena with brand new toilets before she would play. This is in her rider, and she implicitly said, "No, I'm not kidding. This is not just a joke." Yeah. So they changed her toilet only. Uh huh. And she played because she didn't go and check every toilet. Yeah. Right. So yeah, she probably didn't know what's in there. Ooh, pretty. Yeah, doorbuster at Office Depot. All oh, right. We were driving home from we were eating at a diner on Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and we were driving home, and there's like a couple people standing out in front of Office Depot, and Linda's like, you know what? We need copy paper for the kennel. We should stop in there because they're going to have deals on copy paper. And they came out, and um, the guy had all these sales flyers, and he hands us the sales flyers, and he explains what they're doing is that for the people who line up, they're giving one doorbuster. You get one doorbuster, and they give you a little piece of paper with that item on it. So they said, hands you the sales flyer, and says, well, pick out which one you're wanting. And then on the front page, there's these tablets. This one was like $60. One Linda got was like $70. Oh, wow. And they're expandable. You can put up to a 32-gig SD card on What the hell? Yeah. I don't have an Android anything. Yeah. So I don't see what it's all about. You got me an Android thingy. So I got uh, me an Android now, thingy. Let me ask again before we start. What we started. We started a long time ago. Uh, did we? A few minutes ago. Yeah. All right. Well, because <laughs> the minute he gets here and he pulls his, uh, his recorders out, we're going. All right. Well, nice. Uh, I, I have the tendency to have a foul mouth, so I don't That's know. Okay. Do I need we, to watch my language we on this show? Or? Listen, no fucking call talk, cussing. <laughs> I'm right. fucking tired yeah. of that shit. I'm out of here. This fucking sucks. <laughs> We carry an explicit text. Yes, we do. Zone, so. Okay. A little red E up by the name. 
But we do that because... And now everybody, everybody shuts up knowing we don't, that the um, thing was... I mean, we, don't get oh, no. really <laughs> dirty. we don't get really dirty on the podcast. No, but, no. But no, but some, you know, no, but we're going, talking, you know, we're, we're going to express ourselves the way we want to. By the way, congratulations. I never got to say it personally. Yes. Yes. On the wedding. Oh. Congratulations, yes. Thank you, thank you. Well, I missed it. We actually tagged one of our podcasts with a congratulatory. Yes, we oh, did. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't. It's all right. We didn't, we didn't no one listens that. to the end. Yeah, apparently nobody listens to our <laughs> podcast, but we have 10,000 people who look at it. So <laughs> Who have looked at it. Who have, who have looked at Most it. Most of them have been mulky. <laughs> actually, I think that 5,000 are Chris. That's right. He, uh, he, uh... <laughs> He, no, just, I he really likes that graphic. I downloaded the uh, the last one you guys did when we bought the production. And, and, oh, okay. And, and I uh, it was great because I had to mow the lawn. And, I, and it, was, it was perfect. Like doing that side of stuff. I love putting podcasts in. I want to mow the lawn because it's, it's perfect. You know, the lawnmower drowns out the No, <laughs> no, I got, I got the I got the ear. I don't hear a thing. This I got is wonderful. Ear, I got the ear protection, man. I put, the, I put the earbuds in and put the ear protection over. And it's it's actually great. It's a fantastic way to pass the time when you're doing that because I, I got a big yard. I hear they're also really good to get put to sleep on airline flights and uh, <laughs> I do it at work too I'll, I'll listen to it I used to listen to it on the drive in and out of work but um, I don't drive so far anymore so I get like 15 minutes into a podcast I'm getting just about to the good part and I have to stop mm. is it that much closer to your house yeah I'm only 14 miles away now oh oh wow I didn't know that change your life doesn't it it does yeah yeah I, I work from home now and I used <laughs> to work downtown Atlanta so it was, it was oh. 30 minutes there 45 minutes back Changed my life. Like you get that. That's an hour and a half a day almost yeah, that you yeah. get back, and it's just it's unbelievable. Yeah, I've worked at home for ten years, so being able to actually go to a job really changes everything too. <laughs> sure. I mean, I going to the to the store. I lost forty pounds this past year. Right on. Because I'm not yeah, sitting, yeah, 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 sitting yeah, around. Yeah, that, I, is, the, that is the downside, found, isn't it? And you found <laughs> Chris found him for me. So I, I lost some weight this year too. Yeah. <laughs> Yours was kind of forced, though. Well, you know. Oh, but my blood test came back, and she said they were damn near perfect. Yeah, there oh, you go, good. man. Good job. Nice. That's good. So you're you're back to being your version of healthy again. <laughs> Apparently, my version of healthy checks out with the at least the PA at the. Yeah. So now is that a story that your your listeners are familiar with? Oh yeah, like, it's they, from the forty dollar film fest. Right. Oh yeah. right. Yeah. When, yeah. When yeah Chris, they uh, the, yeah they know about him passing out and the whole thing. We actually rehashed it. <clears throat> two twice. weeks ago twice yeah <laughs> this one had to bring it back up with scott well, okay. now it's my fault so no no, no it's okay well, no, now you just don't get any glasses or the <laughs> the, the jason uh, thing geez. in retrospect i'm kind of glad that happened because it did give the rest of the group a chance to step in and take over and yeah. do these things and that's kind of why i started this in the first place i mean I, if i really want i can go out with my camera and shoot a movie and edit it and all that stuff, it won't be great, but it'll be, you know, I've done it before. Marissa really pulled her, pulled but, a lot of people yeah, I mean, together, too. Mike and, and Bill and everybody came together and finished that movie. It could be better, honestly, but... Well, but, it's the 48-hour yeah, film fest. Yeah, we've done, we've done the 48-hour approach. Yeah. Well, we also, haven't done it in a couple of years, but yeah. but it's, you cannot, in, in two days, you can go out there and you can make a really good effort, but... Especially on a zero budget. Yeah, but but right, but without money and without time, the quality's gonna not ever be really really good. Yeah. Um, and every now and then you see a really good one come through, and it's usually by a professional production company. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, we, I mean, we it's, know. It's, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna segue here because I think talking about the 48 hour brings up a great opportunity for us to talk about the Morningside Monster. Yes, please. Because well, that's what you're here for. 
you guys, you guys were kind of sandwiched in our set because we we were shooting at um, our friend Ed's yeah. house, and then we had like a weekend off from that house, mm -hmm. and that's when you guys came in and and, and did the um, yeah. the forty eight hour. And then we were back, I think, uh, the week, next week. week. later, yeah. And um, I think you guys will agree. Shoot, well, for, first off, uh, for, for the listeners out there, this house, we, we shot in, I think it was, what, June August. or August? Yeah, August. And, yeah. Yeah, and it, it was like a bajillion degrees uh, in, in this house. I'm aware. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yes, yes. well, you shot but, there three weeks in a row. Uh, yeah, something like that, right? Was no, 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 it was, it was, it was, you guys were in the middle. No, Jason was, but Jason, oh, but Jason was there. Jason, you were there. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, you were there that week, too, yeah. But, I mean, it was a great location. Very and, helpful, and, too. Yeah, and Ed... You know, I gotta give a shout-out to Ed for, you know, we, we had a location. And, Did you hear that, uh, Ed? You need to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Ed's our only fan on Podbean. Oh, is he? Yeah. That's pretty funny. Uh, well, so we had a, a location secured, and... Um, like a week before we were supposed to go shoot, yeah. the the person that we were getting the house from, it, he had inherited it from his estranged father, and then something happened, and then uh, we couldn't get it, and so we're the, scrambling. The bank took it back over. That's what happened. Oh gee. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Yeah. We needed a a place that's kind of boarded up, right? And and Ed's he's been I guess renovating his house yeah. for a while, so it still had a bunch of stuff. Got couple boarded up windows. We needed an abandoned looking place and. And the other place looked really abandoned, but it was, <laughs> but, but it was so abandoned because it was abandoned. <laughs> and, um, and I think that place you know. was it was like a meth lab uh, that the uh, the government had come in and shut down and. Yeah. It, yeah, it was. It, Wait, Ed's place? No, no, no. no, 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 no the the previous the first house. It was a rental property, or not a rental property. Yeah, it was a rental it's property. But they, yeah, Ed's current place. Anyway, <laughs> it was it was it was real sketch looking, but it was no longer available. So Ed, you know, thank God, Ed said, "Yeah, come on in." And so we, you know, we kind of. Popped in there, and it was good because we were able to get back to it. Guys, I remember he was later. telling us uh, he was like sorry for all the stuff and the detritus on the floor. And you guys were like, no, 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 this is perfect. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, that's that's true, that's true. Please stop cleaning, stop cleaning right now. And that's a big, you know, as far as any film goes, that's actually a really big important thing to recognize is that a lot of times dirt and clutter, yeah, is production value. You know, it, it's I mean, you know, you'll have Walking Dead and they'll have a crew come in and make a house look wrecked, right? And if it's already wrecked. You don't have to have a crew come in. You don't have to pay people to do that. You don't have to buy the materials. You just, hey, look, we got a house that's got a bunch of stuff because he's in the middle of construction. Perfect. You know? And so that's a, one of the things as, as indie filmmakers that we look for is things like that where we don't have to come in and do the work there. Yeah, it's already like done that, for Like us. that first house that, that we were at, the red one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, that was creepy. Well, and, and so <laughs> the double-edged sword there is from a producing standpoint, when you, call, when, when you find a location that's great, because it's, you know, a rack. And you call somebody up and you're like, yeah, we want to use your place because it looks, uh, you know, it, it looks sloppy. Because <laughs> it's a mess. You, yeah. you, you, you kind of feel embarrassed saying that because you say, hey, we want to use your place. And then the first thing they say is, oh, well, yeah, you know, like I can get it cleaned up and stuff. And I was like, no, we want it because it's sloppy. But, you know, you kind of feel like a... Kind of feel like a jerk sometimes. Saying, no, it's perfect the way it is. Yeah. Yeah, you go. No, we just love it because it's got that certain yeah, thing. That, and that, that lived in look. That look yeah, that yeah, lived yeah, in yeah. Look. The layout is perfect. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah, as far as uh, uh, this film goes, we we got extremely lucky with locations. Uh, Lawrenceville. Yeah, yeah. Here city, in Georgia, was city great. of Lawrenceville is. Uh, we would not have been able to make this movie without the city of Lawrenceville, hands down. Elisa Sherman and. Uh, 
Mayor Johnson and Lamar Hall, the people there that are just literally said, yeah, yeah, please come in. We'll help you however we can. And, you know, got us police cars, you know, got us the locations. They were extraordinarily, extraordinarily helpful. And, uh, yeah, they're fantastic people to work with. Fantastic. Cool. So did you redecorate their existing police cars or did uh, the Morningside stuff they, over top we, we had magnets that say Morningside Police in their white backgrounds and literally pop them on the side. And it, the white matches the mm. white of the car. And oh, it, that's and, cool. And, uh, you know. And yeah, then, on screen, you, you can't. It makes you, life you easier. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, so you pop them on, pop them off. It's nice nice and fast, but it does the job, and it looks it looks really great when you have lights flashing and this car rolling in the shots. It's just, you know, I mean, it's production value. It's, yeah. It's, it's, uh, you can't, you can't, uh, I mean, you, you can buy it, but it's usually pretty expensive, and we got very fortunate in that regard. So. You went through um, independent funding site. Uh, oh, we, we, we did. Yeah, we did. Oh, you did Indiegogo. Mm-hmm. Well, that's. Well, the, we've done Kickstarter. Oh, that's right. Previous projects, but Indiegogo for this one. That's the point, because yeah, I'm yeah, working on Rocket. We've Hub. talked about the movie several times on the podcast now, so people are probably wondering, like, you guys got money in the movie or something? Yeah, we got like about thirty bucks, right? <laughs> 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 we got the Blu-ray package, so. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! I did. You guys uh, donated? I think. Yeah, so. I did. Oh, okay. I don't remember. Me, well, me and Linda, it's our money. Yeah, I got an email from Chris. Yeah, uh, right. yeah you'll probably get another one this week, actually. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're getting around to, uh, now that we've, we're kind of in the process of wrapping things up, we're getting around to, like, getting our backer rewards and things ready. So, mm. so, so yeah, I mean, I gotta, that means you might have two thank yous in the credits. Sweet. <laughs> I'm, I got to get my uh, stuff together to buy the tickets to go see the thing when it comes out. Jan- yeah. January 14th, Plaza Theater Jan- Atlanta. Come join us. 2014. So how is it working with Indiegogo? No, no, 2013. January 14, 2013. I'm kidding. So, so last, so the beginning of this year? It's, it's a year ago. Yeah, the way, the way it's we, already been on. The way we do a podcast, you know, we, we, we do <laughs> No, yeah, next... Uh, now we'll be airing this on January 15th. <laughs> yeah, so about, about a month from when we're, we're recording this, what, December 8th? December 8th, so... Something like that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, in about a month, we'll be at the Plaza premiering. We've got a 7 o'clock and a 9.45 show. And uh, Plaza's redone. Have you ever been there since they redid it? No, I haven't. New seats. Since they sold out? Yeah. Since they sold out? That's, that's what they <laughs> that's did. A, you, know, <laughs> you know what's funny is that... Okay, no. Explain that. Let's, let's talk about that. Because it was, it, it, was, it was privately owned, and they were having a hard time keeping it open. Right. It was, it was a non-profit. Right, right, exactly. And they sold it. Right. To, uh, but you said sold out, which, yeah, has, a some, con- which has a connotation. Well, oh, it's a guy. It's a guy named Michael Furlinger, and he bought it through his company. But yeah, he's there. Like okay, we, well, Jason and I met him yesterday. It's not right. like he's running around, you know, a big corporate conglomerate. You right. know, he's there. He's actively involved in the promotion. I've seen him there well, a couple was, times. I think the reason I said it the way I did is because Larry and I are so used to selling out. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we sell uh, constantly. Yeah, it's yeah just, no, I don't think they've done anything. Uh, Jason, do. Jason doesn't <laughs> like the new seats, but. Yeah, we, we were there yesterday. And well, I didn't like the old ones because you had to fall out of them. super uncomfortable to me. I, I'm really happy that they See, for me, but... part of the experience... Okay, so for those of you who aren't in Atlanta, the Plaza Theater, to me, is like one of those old-style uh, old grindhouse theaters. 
I go there not to see the new uh, films. I go there to see when they, the, like, they have Silent Night, Deadly Night on. Mm-hmm. They're playing this Friday. Wow. Yeah. So when I go there, I want that experience. I want my chairs falling apart. I want popcorn to taste like it's three weeks old. You know, oh, I good. want I want the crackles <laughs> in the screen. I, you know, that's what I want for my theater. And now they got chairs that are comfortable and sound that you can hear. It ruins the experience. Yeah, I want know. chairs that are comfortable and sound you can hear everything else i agree with yeah but i, but I think i think the, the reality was they weren't doing well because those seats are uncomfortable and because that experience yeah. wasn't the you know i mean but they don't have to be lounge they've chairs, got a but... they, they're they're a big facility i can't imagine what the rent is on that place you know what i mean like it's not and uh, in, in the in the city no in the less, city right so, so they've got a, in order to keep providing like silent night dead and night and all the interesting things that they do and they do a lot of really interesting things that last um, unicorn yesterday yeah that last unicorn with the writer peter Peter Seal, Beagle, I, I, it, the writer was there. And um, sign an autograph. Yeah, and, it, cool. and it's great. Like, they do stuff like that, but they had to do some things to make the experience better. Plus, you know, the reality of theater in general right now is you have to be able to afford those DCP projectors, right? Those digital mm-hmm. projectors that cost $90,000 or whatever it is, and the old owners couldn't afford to do that. So that was right. one of the things he did is he came in and bought that projector so that they can get the DCP cartridges from the studios to actually play studio movies. Right. Because um, they're not going to do, like, 35-millimeter projections kind of, I mean, you know, they don't want to send out the reels anymore. It's expensive. And it's expensive, and they get damaged, and so then they've got to redo them. And, that, and that's, a you know, for the cinephile, that's a, a lot of people really love that 35-millimeter experience. So that kind of bumps them out, but and the broken chairs and the broken chairs, sure, of course. You've never had Bam have to move in front of you and sit down, okay? You wouldn't want one of those broken chairs when nine tons of Bam sits in his and it leans back in your face. The big thing was seventy millimeter, right? Right. Star Wars and seventy millimeter, which is now IMAX. I mean, for all practical purposes, IMAX shoots at that big frame. You've seen that frame? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the gravity one of those. Gravity in 3D IMAX. I did not see it in IMAX. A, I wish I had. It, you know, it was... Matt saw that, right? 3D IMAX? Yeah, a buddy of mine saw it. He said it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because the, the movie... I don't I don't want to give too much away about the movie, but obviously, if you, if you know anything <laughs> Spoilers. about it... Spoilers! It's in space, it, it, right? It's in space. And, it, you know, there's Sandra Bullock's floating around a lot. So to see it in a theater that almost consumes you is a great experience because it really puts you in that experience especially um except that you can breathe well <laughs> if, you know unless you get in one of those theaters that really want to let you live the experience and um, you have a guy behind around. you strangling you <laughs> um, you can breathe but you know it, it, it was good yeah i might go see the next hobbit installment at the imax legend uh, uh the Whatever. Are, they doing, are they doing the 48 frame thing again? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen, seen any of... advertising on that because I went and saw it in 48 frames last time uh, on the on the first one. It I was just, neat. Uh, it, but it just... I, I, I actually you know find myself falling into the camp of people who are like, yeah, it doesn't have the film. Like, it takes away the film fluidity that kind of gives it that impression of motion, you know? It, it made it a little too... Like, I understand what he was looking for. Good job, man. Good job. It's okay. It's supposed to go off like that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a running gag on the phone. Oh, I see. Oh, I see. I see. You got to warn us of these we running gags, a, man. We have a lot of them. So maybe if we listen to maybe them. Maybe if we listen to the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, what the yeah. hell? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, but no, yeah, I didn't. The 48 frames a second did not work for me because it, it gave it a, a very video, a video feel. Yeah. Um, 
And it's interesting because Jason and I watched our film a couple weeks ago, and it was on a TV, and I figured out what happened later. It wasn't the frame rate. It was we watched it on a TV, and you know some of the newer TVs have those little different feels, you know, mm -hmm. and makes it look more video for the reality type shows, and it makes it look more filmish. Mm -hmm. And he had it set on the video setting, and we were watching, going, "God, this is awful." <laughs> like we were like we were sitting there like to ourselves, kind of like, mm -hmm. what, "What's going on?" Is it because we had changed the frame rate to dump it down to DVD? And because we shot in 24 and, and we you know have to change it to 29.97, and I thought it was a frame rate change, but I was like, but I've seen it in 29.97 where it doesn't look that bad. And it turned out it was the, the television set, but yeah, just oh, just it really like. So if you watch our movie and you think it sucks, it's actually your TV. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! I'm just gonna blame everything on the TV. Mm -hmm. There you go. Um, That's what I, we do. I, That's right. Yeah, I do. I have a new TV. Good. <laughs> it's a it's a flat screen. Good. Yeah. So was that There's monkey uh, the halfway point? Is that no, no. That's a uh, that's a text alert. No, that's that oh. was an email. email. Uh, I'm making a soda line, right? So my partner just sent me an email link to look at, yeah. which I'm not going to do now. But that's nice. Yeah, Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, like, Ooh, the other thing I wanted to say about the uh, the plaza, which yeah. Chris brought up with them uh, having a. The last unicorn guy signing autographs and stuff. There will be cast and crew from the Morningside Monster at the premiere. Will be doing a Q and A, uh, and I'm sure if you uh, track one of us down, you might be able to get an autograph or two, especially from me. I can guarantee that. <laughs> so, for all of those of you who, uh, yeah, I think you know, and we're trying to figure out which cast is going to be able to be there. I'm pretty sure that Rob Pralgo, who plays our kind of lead character will be there and uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring some more of our actors in. It just depends. So several of our actors don't live in Atlanta. They live mm -hmm. in LA or Phoenix, I think, is the other one. And so... Funny how actors do that. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. So, so Actors. They won't all... be doing that much longer. <laughs> Not after the well, opens here. You know, it's interesting because you say that, but... Well, Screen Gems production, has production. Oh, that's right. Is yeah, no, and then Pinewood's opening yeah. in Fayetteville. So yeah, there's a lot of production in Atlanta. There is not a lot of development in Atlanta, and that's key. Is that we don't like studios don't write, you know, look at writers from Atlanta. They don't look at cat. They pull in secondary cast from Atlanta a lot, but they don't really pull in like the primary cast members from Atlanta. So that's still mostly done in LA. Like you know, like a lot of the production stuff is still done in LA. So that until that kind of migrates out of Hollywood, Hollywood's still going to be the epicenter. The one I'm of thinking is the that film industry. They do pull a lot of secondary cast from Atlanta, but do, those absolutely. secondary casts are going to grow up and become primary cast. Yeah, yeah. And you, they're you, going to have an attachment to Atlanta already. So I yeah, see. I see. You, you hope. You hope. That's. I mean, that, that would be nice. I don't. I don't know that. That's. I, there's particularly like right now, LA is freaked out about all this production leaving. So they're doing whatever they can to kind of keep things there. So it's it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But but certainly production wise, Atlanta and Georgia is doing fantastic. And yeah. Film ministry brought in three point three billion dollars last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it's location shooting in Los Angeles is going to be so much more difficult than oh yeah. to someplace like oh, here. Plus, you can't get good forest shots in L.A. The no. city of well, yeah, well, and that's the, and steel. Uh, that's the great thing that Atlanta has is we have a we have the seasons, and then b yeah, we have yeah. you know such a, <laughs> a such a, a <laughs> wide range of environment. The only thing that we're really missing is a convenient ocean. But, you know, it, yeah. it, it's good. I mean, because, well, you know, we, we... Down in Savannah. Yeah, yeah, we've got, we've got, yeah, desert is probably the thing I would think we'd be at a little bit harder time finding. Yeah, but, I mean, um, as far as, like, I mean, we filmed... Uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Uh, <laughs> our, so our, our film takes place in New Jersey, 
And obviously, uh, we filmed here in Georgia, but where I grew up in New Jersey, watching uh, Chris's opening montage for the film, it reminded me just so much of the, the towns that I grew up in and uh, the surrounding towns that, I, you know, I would say that it was a, a pretty good match. For, well, Jersey for, is the for Jersey in the state. Fall. They're not just known for Atlantic City. The Jersey Shore. Where the, um, the, 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 the probably most damaging thing to happen to New Jersey is that. And they're all from New York. That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. You, you have just hit a hit a uh, point of contention for Jason. <laughs> well, no, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, Seaside Seaside Heights is the mecca of summer entertainment in Jersey. I mean, I I don't know one person that didn't spend at least one day every summer at Seaside Heights, where the Jersey Shore TV show was filmed. So I mean. Yeah, to an extent, that show it hits the nail on the head as far as uh, summer culture goes, but the attitude is sort of exploitive where, you know, it's not all meatheads and bimbos running around down there. It's a lot what? of family entertainment. And, no way. And just good times. Yeah. TV is 100% true. I'm not going to argue <laughs> that. <laughs> So what was the Indiegogo experience like? I mean, uh, you know, so we did we did we did a movie uh, a couple years back called Survivor Type, which was a Stephen King short story. We got the rights for Stephen King to adapt it as an independent short, and we did Kickstarter then, and we made our goal, and it was not it was a modest goal, it was like twenty five hundred dollars. And then two years later, we did Indiegogo, and the reason we did Indiegogo is because we were moving to a feature, we needed more money. Indiegogo has the option to you get whatever you get, even if you don't meet your goal. Oh, they do? Yeah, Kickstarter doesn't have that option. Yeah. Kickstarter's all or nothing. So we said, yeah, we should do that. Because we were looking for, like I think, like $15,000 at that point or something of that nature. Um, which is a modest budget. Which, which is, a, yeah, I mean, well, it wasn't a whole budget. It was supposed to supplement, but... Uh, but, that but was we, the uh, craft but, services budget. Yeah. Yeah. One arm movies, um, yeah. <laughs> so... You wouldn't believe. Like, it was harder. Two years later, it was harder. Even with a successful film behind us, it was harder to... And we actually only got about 1500 I think. And the reason is everybody and their brothers got one now. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't go on like I don't I don't go a week without getting one or two new Kickstarter requests from friends, you know? And so it's become it basically become, all right, I'll give you twenty five bucks here and you'll give me twenty five bucks next week, you know, for mine. And it, it just kinda of becomes this big thing. So like there's such, zero there's such a, Yeah, right. There's such a demand or, or, or so much supply, I guess, in terms of how, how many projects are available and, and the demand to support them is not there. So it's the way that you're successful now is there's a couple ways, but a lot of press helps, like real press, you know, like like major newspapers and websites and things of that nature. And uh, and then the current in vogue wave is celebrities, actually, like well-known Veronica Mars first, and then Zach Braff and Spike Lee did one, and, you know, several people have done it. But that helps, obviously, because you just get the, the star power. But I just think the smaller projects, you know, you, there's a lot of failures. To me, it looks like it's it's a matter of just there's so many. There's so many that people have to, you know, you can't support everything you want to support, so you yeah. have to pick and choose. It's that Hollywood thing you were talking about. When it started, it's a bunch of independent guys, and, oh, sure. this is cool, I'll support some independent guys. But then when someone steps in that's of a larger stature, yeah. it's like, oh, I can get my name in the credits of the Spike Lee movie. Sure, yeah, he's sure. Like, yeah I'm going to throw some money that way. He's, you know, assimilated into the... It doesn't bother me. I know, I know that bothers a lot of people. That doesn't bother me. Um, it bothers me. Yeah, but it doesn't bother me, and I'm going to tell you why. It's because that's where the future film financing is going in general right this is like the very early vestiges of you know at, at some point people are going to start paying for the movies ahead of time like that's the only way 
Hollywood is so risk averse and they lose so much money with these you know like sometimes they make a 200 million dollar movie and it's very successful and then sometimes you have RIPD right mm-hmm. and, and it's just you know <laughs> and it's and it's just Men in Black 4 right? Men, right well you know right right exactly and so what's going to end up happening is things like that are going to be okay we, we, are you willing to give 10 or 15 dollars now to make this movie and that's how we're going to judge how successful it's going to be and you know Veronica Mars was never supposed to be theatrically released or, or just very carefully in certain cities and now it's going to get a fairly wide release because it was so successful in that regard so it's it's one of those things they judge how well it's going to do ahead of time and it makes the risk less uh well and i think that's why they have so many reboots and so many right revamps and remakes right and the hope my hope anyway is that that's that helps ameliorate some of that or alleviate some of that problem right the problem right now is if it's, it's got to be a brand right that's the mm-hmm. whole the whole world right now is does the brand pre-exist? Can we make another Transformers movie? Can we reboot a movie that already exists? Or Can let's we... take Dracula or Sleepy Hollow or Psycho. And you know, things that we know are... Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Frankenstein's another He's one, right? Like they they got another... Yeah, Werewolf, yeah. I heard, is doing that. Again. Yeah, exactly. Like Wolfman, so, so all that stuff is... So it'd be nice... It's like, so for original works, if you can get the right... I mean, it'd be nice if you can get the right names behind it and that sells them so that you can make those <laughs> things happen. That doesn't... That that doesn't bother me. Like I know some people are like, oh, it's supposed to be indie, but you know, it's, it doesn't bother me. Like it's a method of making things happen. I don't really care who does it, as long as people do it. You know. Mm-hmm. Christian Slater as Otis the two-headed space carrot. <laughs> Inside jokes 101, ladies and gentlemen. Inside jokes 101. Ah, go look up Otis the two-headed space carrot. The listeners are quite used to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we you got hours so. of. of tape of Larry and I talking about things that no one else has yeah. a clue about. Otis yeah. the Two-Headed Space Carrot was my first 48-hour film when I moved to Atlanta. I didn't know anybody. I did it all by myself. Uh, had a little help from my ex-girlfriend at the time, and uh, that was about it. And it was a bunch of pictures cut out of me as vegetables. So if that's something that interests you, um, <laughs> please go look up Otis the Two-Headed Space Carrot on YouTube and uh, do yourself a favor and, and enjoy comedic gold. Something I've been wanting to ask you. No. Speaking of uh, no. Speaking of the answer is no. Survivor type. Oh sure. Go ahead. Yeah. What's what's the deal with the other survivor type? Oh well, so it's like a year later, some other group. No, this is you know this is it's the reality of Stephen King's deal, and he's got a thing called the Dollar Baby, Mm -hmm. and how it works is you request the rights to make an independent short film, but uh, non-exclusive rights. Non-exclusive rights. Yeah, that's well, that's the key thing. Yeah, so you get the rights for a dollar to make a film of one of a handful of short stories he has that he's designated as these are the ones you can use, but it's not exclusive, so anybody can request the rights. Some of the ones that he's got, there's been seven or eight or ten adaptations of Survivor type. It just so happened that we were one of the really, I think, I don't know that we were the first one, but we were certainly the first one with any sort of actual thrust behind it in terms of getting it done on a, on a decent scale. And, uh, and that's then. A, that's it, a tough one to tackle. It is. Oh, yeah. We got stories. <laughs> yeah, I am fairly convinced. That'll be uh, for another podcast. Yeah. I, and I probably should knock on wood, but I'm fairly convinced as a filmmaker, we'll never have a day as bad as we had on survivor type one day we had the second day we were on at the beach on survivor type i don't see how it's possible to have a filmmaking day go as poorly as that day went um we had our our (laughs) set uh, half our set stolen yeah overnight Uh, yeah yeah yeah. our transportation to get to this place that was gone (laughs) it it was it was a yeah it was a mess but um, we lost the data on the cards. Oh yeah, yeah. It was like a, a typical forty-eight hour. It was a, it was a really bad day. Uh, so, 
so this guy, yeah, so these guys came behind us and they made a, they made another one, and it's perfectly. Have you seen it? I have seen it. Yeah, in fact, the Atlanta Horror Film Festival last year played them both back to back. They uh, they did, uh, and I was there, and uh, and it was neat because then we had a discussion. The audience had a discussion about the different adaptations, and ours is a straightforward narrative with flashbacks off the island. If you know the story, he's it's a character who's stuck on an island, and he's thinking back to how he got there. Right, that's kind of the story, um, and so we do some flashbacks to kind of tell the story up to how he got to that position. Mm-hmm. The other movie, the one that came out the year after ours, uh, and I think we should mention the director's name was uh, Billy, Billy Hanson. Billy yeah, Hanson. Billy Hanson, and uh, he went found footage. He he kind of moved the story into you know, mm-hmm. guy had a camera with him and yeah. talked to the camera uh, on the island and and went that way. So he did not flashback off the island. He just told the story through the camera survivor man style yeah yeah exactly so so you know very different takes on the same right. original material and so so that makes it interesting right mm-hmm. it's not you it's know it's not the same experience it's not the same experience exactly so and uh, another interesting to, uh, thing to know as far as Stephen King's dollar baby program one of the if not the first was the woman in the room and it was done by a guy named Frank Darabont, mm-hmm. who went on to do Shawshank Redemption and The Walking Dead and uh, Green the Mist. Mile. And uh, yeah, so I've, I've always been this huge fan of The Mist. They released a tape, a, the drama, th- the 3D surround sound. That's what this. Loved that's it. what. That's why we do this is because of that. Because huh. that was such, okay. made such an impression on me yeah. at a young age. And it's oh. always always been like, oh, I'm gonna grow up and make movies, and that's the one I'm gonna make. Then I see Frank Darabont's version. It's so much better than anything I ever thought about doing. You know, uh, I, I didn't like is, the end, but you know, really, I, 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 I thought I, the end was amazing. Uh, well, that man is just—that's the person who needs to be adapting Stephen King. Didn't yeah, he, he also well, did, I think he does a good bit of that. <laughs> he did something else though too. Real, um, Recently, you mean? No, no. Um, Stephen King really didn't he do? Um, Shawshank. 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 Green, Green Mile. Mile. Green Mile. Yeah. 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 Amazing. And he and he owns Amazing. the right, He owns the rights to one of my favorite Stephen King novels, The Long Walk. So Ooh, I can't. Be a good I can't wait to see what he does with that. Mm. Um, he, but he's had that in the hopper for a while, and it, it'll be. I mean, Mob City just started this week, uh, which is a new TV show. So uh, it'll probably be a little while before he gets to The Long Walk. Yeah. It's the two guys from The Walking Dead. Or yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, if Dale, you don't know the Dale, story, Dale and um, and um, oh crap, it's uh, Shane. Shane. Shane yeah. Thank Shane, you. Yeah. yeah, John Bernthal and uh, <laughs> crap, I forget the other guy's name. Ha ha. J- Jeremy me. something, I think. But anyway, yeah. Um, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, that'd be actually pretty good. I haven't seen him in a while. He was not in The Walking Dead. I couldn't. Well, so so in Morningside Monster, the the woman who plays Abby Matthews. Uh, one of our characters is was is Amber Chaney, and she played Herschel Walker's wife, the Walker wife in the barn. If you're a Walking oh. Dead fan, oh yeah, oh cool. So cool. that's back from when I was watching. Yeah, so let's she, let's she, mention our cast. Yeah, yeah, we should talk we about our such cast. A, we yeah, have a great. Yeah, that's one of my cast. questions. I actually wrote down. We'll, okay, yeah. We'll start so, with we'll start with the gorilla in the room. I mean, how did you get a hold of Nicholas Brendan? Oh, uh, we went through a very standard hiring process. Um, you know, there's it's it's a. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you all went to his manager, and that's and that's what you do. You just go to the manager, you send them the scripts. If they're open to the scripts, you make an offer. It's that simple. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I say it's that simple, but then then there's and a lot there's, the then there's a lot of negotiation, and it took several months. Uh, and we had to move our we actually had to move our shoot dates because Criminal Minds Nicholas is on Criminal Minds, and they wanted him for when we you know they're like nope we got him <laughs> and and what are we gonna do they're like no Criminal Minds we're better you know, we're more important than you <laughs> they no, really, we're not they really just stealed you out of the whole <laughs> yeah thing. well somebody you know so we ended up moving a couple months to get him and and it was painful to do that but it was 
the right thing to do for the mm-hmm. movie. And then a good choice. I mean, he's he's good. He's a good actor. He's and, a good actor. But he's, he's got a great guy. following. He does. Obviously, Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, is a show that is not going away anytime soon in terms of fan loyalty. No. It is uh, the best fans in the world. That is because it is one of the best TV shows ever made, in in my personal opinion. And he has a very likable screen presence. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's so he's adorable, and you just yeah. want to hug him. Yeah, um, <laughs> and he was here, he, and you want to hug him in this movie too. So if you if you like sunshine and hugs, go see the one. <laughs> that's, <right. laughs> that's right. That's right. Because that's what that that name elicits. Right. So, sunshine and hugs. Sunshine and hugs. And then you know, so yeah, so Nicholas is fantastic, and every I mean, our cast is just incredible. Tiffany Shepis. Tiffany Shepis, who, if you don't know Tiffany Shepis, she Get the know Tiffany Shepis. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. She just did, um, she just did M is for Matchmakers. It was one of the ABC's of Death 2 shorts. It's one of the top 12. If you haven't mm-hmm. seen it, go look it up. M is for Matchmakers. Really, really good little three minute short. It's three minutes of your time. But she's done, I think if you look at her IMDP page, she's at like 100 movies. Oh, wow. Um, like she's done, uh, She's an indie horror, you know, she's a prototypical scream queen. Been doing it since, I think she was 16 or 17 when she first did Tromeo and Juliet for Troma. And ever since, just makes tons of movies. She kind of lives in the horror world. Her husband has directed several horror films. He's an awesome director. Made a movie called The Frankenstein Syndrome, which you should check out. It's really good that she's in. But she just does, you know, she does a lot of different things. She's done some, some really interesting, like, Italian horror that's uh, very visual and kind of, you know, the typical Italian style, mm-hmm. giallo type yeah. feeling type stuff, and, uh, and yeah, but she's fantastic. Yeah, I, I and, so, and such a pleasure on the set because uh, you know she's been in so much stuff, but being with her uh, when she's on set and she's working, it's she seems like it was her first movie ever. She was yeah, still like enthusiastic, she's... just excited to be there, excited to be a part of the project, and just. You know, and that uh, that excitement became infectious. And it, you know, the the one night I'm thinking of in particular, we had just gotten off almost a 24-hour day shoot, and it was like four in the morning, and it was cold, and, and like half of us hadn't slept. And there she is, she's you know, yeah, ready to go. joking and laughing with everybody, getting the energy level back. And it was you know, it was great to have her, and, and hope to work with her again. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then, of course, uh, our lead character, uh, Sheriff Tom Hawk, is played by uh, Robert Prago. Uh, Rob, and did you guys, did you meet Rob that day? No, he was not there. That's right, you guys were there the day that Mike Stanley was there. Um, Rob Prago is an Atlanta, like, he's a, he's a, just a Atlanta-based. Like, yeah, he's an Atlanta-based actor, um, but he does a lot of TV. He was in The Vampire Diaries, season one as the mayor, and then he's been in Teen Wolf. He's been in Revolution. Revolution. He's worked Change. on... No, yeah. Mm. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have a code. Uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Another guy who didn't read the writer contract. I tell you what. <laughs> I tell you what. But, and, you know, and then, of course, he teaches acting, and he's got his, his method for acting is just so well-defined, and he is the most prepared guy you will ever meet. And he's just a true... Like, he's a guy... Like, he just cares. He cares so much about everything that he does. And he wants everything to be good. And he really keeps you on your toes. Like, if you have a moment of weakness, you're like, oh, we can just half-ass this for a second to get through this. He's like, no. You know, and, and, and I love that because it really makes you do... Working with Rob makes you be a better actor. Or a better director, better whatever. Whatever you're doing. He has um, a very familiar face. Yeah, because he's been in everything. Been, <laughs> you've seen him somewhere. He's in The Blind yeah. Side. He's in... Uh, man, I wish... Like, he's got 
And I think he was cute guy number three on Dawson's Creek at one point. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, no, no I, for that. Nice. Let's see what you get it. Yeah. Uh, no. I'll tell you, um, uh, as the writer of the film, going back and watching, especially uh, Rob, the characters that are in your head come to life. Rob does such an amazing job. He brings such a, a wide of range of emotions, and that's even before he says anything. Just to like, you know, he's got this talent with his face that in, in a second you believe he's that character, whether you're watching our movie or anything else he's in. And, uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, at, at this point, like, he, he is Tom. I can't unsee him now, so. He's very um, ex expressive, but he doesn't overly emote. He's more, you yeah, can, he's, you can he's see natural, behind the eyes so with yeah. his performance. yeah. Yeah, and some actors you, you look at and you can see that he's trying to, he's trying to be sad. He's and he's just very naturalistic. Yeah, and that's and that's all preparation, man. That guy does more preparation than anybody I know. But yeah, no, Rob is fantastic. We've got uh, uh, Amber Cheney. We've already mentioned. Well, uh, we mentioned Amber earlier, who played Herschel Walker's wife. She was also in the, the Hunger barn. Games. She's also the Avox girl in the Hunger Games, a role that was pared down for the movie and completely dropped from the second one. Losers, loser writers. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, um, but uh, but in the, yeah, I'm sure in the book, sure I know, yeah, 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 Lawrence, I'm talking to you, man. Send your complaints to. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, yeah, anyway. One, two, three, Pueblo, Colorado. Anyway, no, no, I understand they have to, when you make a movie, you gotta adapt, you gotta drop stuff out. But, so she was in the first movie. The Avox girl's a much bigger character in the books if you've ever read them. But in, in the first movie, she's there in the background. Mm -hmm. um, she's not super, the, the storyline's not up front and not used as heavily as it is in the book, but she's there. And then she's, uh, what else has she done? She's done a couple of indie films, uh, Cupid's Requiem, and... I think she's going to be in The Devil's Knot, which is the Reese Witherspoon movie about the West Memphis Three that's coming up pretty soon. That actually looked really good. Uh, you know, and in our movie, of course. And she's awesome in that. And, uh, and, what's the name and she's local movie? Atlanta. What's that? Oh, oh, our movie? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Something about the monster. Who knows? <laughs> Morning's in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. Morning's oh, are a monster. Oh, it's the Morningside Monster, and it premieres... Uh, <laughs> January 14th, which is actually my brother's birthday, um, at the Happy birthday, Plaza, Jason's brother. Plaza <laughs> Theater in Atlanta, Georgia. So uh, That wasn't out. me. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Experience the new seats. <laughs> and sound. That's right. And the new sound. So and and curves. And what time ooh, and, so, and, well, and, and Kat, seven, we, seven, we got one more person we need to talk yes. about. Yeah. Um, and Kat Tabor uh, is our last uh, kind of main core cast. Uh, act, and she is just the most wonderful, delightful person. I uh, she actually she's friends with Rob, and Rob said you need to bring her on board, and so we said okay. But what she's most well known for is she is the voice of Princess Amidala in the Clone Wars cartoon. Queen Amidala. Oh, sorry, Queen Amidala. Oh, yeah, see, look at that. I am not. I am not the expanded. Actually, I'm not an expanded I'm not an expanded universe nerd. I apologize. Um, and I would but... say that uh, <laughs> as a. Uh, uh, those of you who yeah, are listening, we are surrounded by Star Wars memorabilia here at um, at the. That's right. This is a very nice plastic reality plastic plate. Uh, I like it. Uh, studio, studio. And I'm pretty uh, sure I had those cups when I was a kid. And I and I've been uh, kidding with Larry yeah, that exactly I, 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 I'm here. going to no, steal all this stuff. Now, uh, so what I'm trying to get at is, <laughs> Jason would like I, to talk. Let Jason talk. I was 
I, as much as I loved the entire cast, I was the most excited to meet Catherine, and uh, she lived up to all of my expectations as being such a, a wonderful and delightful woman who just enjoys being a part of Star Wars and... Uh, is was was very nice for me to uh, to just ramble in her ear for hours about Star Wars. So um, that's what I wanted to say about I Catherine. Was, I was know when we had uh, Talon Dunning on the show, he did about fifteen minutes about Disney taking over the Star Wars franchise, and his main complaint was that the expanded universe is going away. Mm. The books and everything they're dropping. I don't think that you can say that. I think what they're doing is they're pressing pause on everything. Like they're pressing pause and they're saying, okay, we're going to get this new movie out and we're going to figure out where we want to go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that, I, I don't think that that stuff's going to go away forever. What, it's the, they're not going to go can. away, but what they're saying is that anything that was written book-wise after it, Return of the Jedi is no longer canon because they're, they're going to progress with the movies. Yeah, but it was never not, canon. Well, actually Lucasfilm did. Did they? Yeah, All right. Because they, they had the hand in it. It's everything that came through. He okayed some outlines and stuff. I thought yeah. he always said. I could be wrong. I, well, I, I, guys, I'm not. I'm not an expanded universe nerd. But so I could be wrong. But I thought. The, I thought that they said subject to change at any moment if we decide to. No, they had a yeah, whole. They had a whole website George devoted Lucas. to what is and what is not canon. Well, uh, went back and then Lucasfilm actually ran that website. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's part of their big. Well, so it'll be interesting to see if interesting to see what they keep on. I mean, clearly they're clearly they're casting for for Jason Jana, right? So we, you know, they clearly are we, casting we for think, Jason Jana. Come on. We think, we Come on. on. I'm not putting words in Disney's mouth. All right, whatever. J.J. <laughs> Abrams' mouth. Fine, Are fine. you putting anything else in J.J. Abrams' mouth? Yeah. Oh. God, I wish. <laughs> I, you know, what I have week, to do folks. to get close to J.J. Abrams, oh, yeah. hey, that's hey, between hey, me and J.J. That's a... <laughs> <laughs> All right, and uh, achieving reality just took a dark turn. That's right. <laughs> Why do you think we call it achieving reality? Let's be uh, honest. Which, which I have to say, I love the name achieving reality. It, it it's something that I try to accomplish every day. I don't know if uh, if I succeed or not. But but so far, it seems like you're doing a pretty good job. Uh, well, we know. we stole it from a movie we saw once. <laughs> yeah. Was was it Otis the Two-Headed Space Carrot? Mm-hmm. No, a little no, later. Yeah, a little later. Uh, yeah. The, the Morningside Monster. No, a little earlier. Which, uh, than that. Premieres on January fourteenth. January. At, at the and, Plaza and where does Theater. it go afterwards? After the premiere. So uh, right into the toilet. No. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> that feels real good, man. Thank you. I love it. I love it. January fifteenth. Yeah. January fifteenth. Invite us back, and we'll discuss where it goes after that. We can do that. Yeah. Gonna, no, but you know, so the, I, the, the festival circuit. The reality is, we're going to do some festival shows. Uh, we, we're already out. You know, in the festival, and we don't get to pick, right? Like we have to submit, and they right. and they and they choose us. So we're we're submitted to several right now. Uh, oh, thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. that. Can uh, I get a little water? Larry's, Larry's getting me a cup of sure, coffee. Sure, sure. That, that's, that's a full service host right there. Well, we have to do that because it sounds good on the podcast when he walks away. Oh. Uh. <laughs> wow, that's cold, man. That's, no, no, no. That joke works on multiple yeah, levels. It is, very, it is very little coffee. Nice. Oh, that's go. fine. Enjoy. Thank you. I appreciate it's it. It's all that's left. Wow. That is awesome. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. You said you had no, no, wait, coffee. No, no, wait, wait a minute. Wait a We had this conversation once every second podcast. I've got plenty of coffee. Coffee. Remember, I just closed the store. I got tons of iced coffees. <laughs> ice, coffee. ice coffee. Ice coffee is only coffee chemically. It's not spiritually coffee. I could bust out a beer. I think it's a little too early, man. This is why it's called achieving realities because we, we're going to take a short break, but you're going to listen to that break. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, interesting. You're welcome.
And um, uh, so another person I think that we uh, we should... Uh, oh, we're still in the middle of what's going to happen next. Well, I, I think oh, we should, we, we should we scoop around? back. And right. uh, I, I would like to say uh, a thank you to uh, Michael Harper, who oh. is a big part of Morningside. Oh, sure, yeah. So, yeah, jumping away from in front of the camera, Michael Harper is our other producer besides Jason and myself. And he is a super talented guy who uh, has directed a little on his own, written a bunch on his own, uh, but he started working with us as our producer and first AD because a lot of times you wear multiple hats mm-hmm. when you're making any films, and uh, we would not be where we were without him. Did so. we talk about Clyde? Oh, we should talk about Clyde. That's yeah, Mike Stanley. Mike Stanley. Oh, um, God, I love Mike Stanley. He's a Tennessee-based actor. He we did meet. Yeah, yes. you met him. He's a... We we had very we had a man. we had difficulty finding a Clyde we were happy with. Like we auditioned a lot of people for that role, and he came. He was a dark horse that came in late in the game. Michael Harper actually met him at a film festival in Tennessee, and he uh, he sent us a video audition. We're like, ah, yeah, there we go. You know, he drove down several times to shoot across several months, and really, really a great actor. Yeah, you know, yeah. just fantastic another, guy. Another guy I can't wait he's, to work with again. Yeah, he's been on Revolution. He's been on. He's done a bunch of indie films in Tennessee. Uh, I imagine you'll see him. Yeah, we didn't get it, to meet him when we were there, and but he came in and was very pleasant and very um, really. He's always a dick to me. If you <laughs> there's a word kidding, Michael for you. or Mike. But, um, he came in well, and was very you know very casual. Sat down, got his makeup and hair done, and went out to the location, and he just. Switched into this yeah, really intense. Right, I mean, right, and then he turns the switch, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Because <laughs> yeah. he's he's a very tall gentleman. Yeah, oh yeah, wow, he's large. But, yeah, but I was sitting behind the cameras, obviously. And what you're watching him it? while y'all were shooting the. And he's a very aggressive character, right? His character is yeah, very, oh, yeah. very aggressive. And you guys saw a scene where he's being extremely aggressive. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and he just becomes this he, angry. Yeah. Chasing behind yeah. us, and you can tell he's just kind of. Oh yeah, get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what's really neat is for me as a director is every actor has a different process. And every single walked, one. He walked back and, as he's a totally different guy. Yep. Yeah. It's like, ooh, I'll step aside here right quick. And yeah. Let yeah. You get through. Yeah, and he was building himself into that moment. It's really, really neat to watch that stuff. Yeah. Is, uh, is this the same gentleman you were telling me about that was behind the, uh, there's a railroad? Well, that wasn't his scene, but yeah, that's where we were filming it. He was walking railroad. around. Was walking that was the, the shot that Chris toward... took. Oh, okay. That yeah. wasn't his scene. That was I love that, that, that picture of him. Oh, yeah. awesome. Check out Chris's face. Uh, I can post it on the... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you put put it on the morning side page? I think you did, or maybe I shared I it or something. I put it up as a pick and day, and I think you shared it. Yeah, cool. I, I love that picture, and I think that captures the the character of Clyde uh, perfectly. Um, just this massive hulking man with this like explosion of clouds and anger behind him. We all grew up with somebody like that. I was that guy, so I didn't grow up <laughs> with someone like that. Well, I mean, there's one in every bunch. You know, he thinks the world owes him something and has treated him bad, well, especially in a small town. Yeah, the football hero that yeah, that's exactly that's mechanic. exactly that's exactly who he is. That's exactly yeah. who that character is. Yeah, for sure. No, I think I, you know Except I actually wrote that in the character description. Was uh, yeah. Yeah, aging uh, uh, football, star. Fo- football star who doesn't have that. that glory anymore. And, and that guy who played the corner. No. Ah, idiot. No. Um, <laughs> a Hitchcockian thing for you? That's the, uh, just, no, just no. You know, play you know what's a funny story? Yes, that's me, by the way. I played the corner. I had two lines. Um, and what happened was... He's dead and... Um... <laughs> what Damn happened, it, Jim. What happened was uh, the, the person we had cast to be the corner called me the day before and had, just couldn't do it. Like, scheduling conflicts and had to back out. 
you know, Jason had a small role earlier in the film, you know, and it was like, all right, I'll just, you know, it's two lines. I, I can handle it. It's not a problem. And then, uh, you know, literally the whole scene, I'm freaked out. Going, Am I saying these two lines right? Am I even close? Am I, God, help me. Yeah, and it came out fine. But I was, yeah, it was really probably more stressful than actually directing the film in some ways. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not an actor. Had so. to run back, look at the footage, and then give yourself directions. Uh, actually, you know out. what I handed you? I like me. No, I like what I was no, saying. No, I, I, don't, I don't think that that's a, you know, I, I, for me, I didn't think that that was a good idea. I thought that would have been too much. Uh, because I'm not trained as an actor, I thought that would have been too much to manage at one time. So Michael Harper actually directed the scene. Um, just because, just because that's that was the the appropriate way to do that. All right, me just give us a little and more not, emotion. And not have to, yeah, exactly. Less schizophrenic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there are actors who direct films and they act in them and they're leads and that sort of thing, and they they're trained actors. You know what I mean? That like that that part is not. They don't have to focus as much energy on making sure they're acting well because they know how to act. You know, and I had to focus all of my energy on making sure I was saying the lines as naturally as possible. What about your experience with it, Jason? Uh, you know, I think we ended up having to shoot my scene like three different times. Just twice. Is that because you like well, torturing Jason? Or because yeah. Well, yeah, because you know, we originally shot it, and then uh, we... Uh, so I'm part of the opening scene, and we originally shot... Started filming back in 2011... And then we changed cameras, so that was uh, we had to keep things consistent. So I so we had to reshoot the entire opening scene again. And so yeah, so um, and, and well, and then I I think the third time was I had to come in and um, do uh, oh yeah, yeah ADR. ADR yeah, yeah, yeah definitely had so, to do a bit of that. But um, that's yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's just a matter. Of, we shot we shot one scene way back in two thousand eleven for like literally for tax reasons like it's boring the reason we did it was so boring i don't want to get into it but um but we did it for to take advantage of some tax uh uh opportunities when making the film to help us finance it a little bit better and and but we had to be done with that with the one day of principal photography by december 31st 2011 to make that work mm -hmm. so that's why we shot that scene because it was oh we got we got a basement we got jason let's go <laughs> you know like it was it was was it something you used to, to promote it on Indiegogo? We did, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so footage of that original right. shoot is on Indiegogo. Yeah, so of, yeah, I, I mean, a lot I, of people talking about that that they would go out and shoot things in advance, sure. and then just so they can use it. I to, keep forgetting yeah. that. Yeah, so because uh, I'm not trying, I don't want to give stuff away, but I think if you've seen our website, you've seen me chained to a table. So yeah. Um, yeah. So, that's not a normal day. And, that was, and, that, and that's behind the scenes. He was just, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's what I thought. And, yeah. and let me tell you, being chained to a table for like six hours is very unpleasant. And not as screaming much as it um, yeah. is very, very unpleasant. So, uh, uh, I, I, I had a good time. I don't know if he's talking about that. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, so. The crew seemed to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, they would go to lunch and leave me there. But yeah, like, it's, but one of the things you know, one of the things Sandwich, that I, please. one of the things I did take away from this movie is is uh, every every role counts. Like even the one line, two line roles, every role counts. Um, you know, and I think that we do. Jason and I do a like one of the things I'm really proud of what we do is casting because you know Scorsese's got that quote: ninety percent of a, casting is ninety percent of a movie. Mm -hmm. And certainly for our films, I, I think that that's absolutely true. Like we we make sure. In general, you know, we're not perfect with it, but we make sure that we have, uh, you know, we go through extensive, you know, uh, 
have auditions. Auditions, and and we make sure that the the best people we can find are in the role. And you know, and if we're not happy, like like we we with both movies, we've had audition processes and didn't find for at least one role, didn't find somebody in the first round. You know, mm-hmm. and it's not because they're bad actors; it's because they're not right for the part. Right. You know, and that really means something. It's not just somebody something that people say. Like actually, you're looking for that exact right person. And both times we've had to we've had to say nope we're not ready yet we're not and we and we went and we looked for more people until we found the right people for the part because yeah, um, you don't want to settle yeah 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 it's, I mean sometimes you know if you're if you're up against it and you're ready to shoot you know you got sometimes you have to make some choices and we had to do that and you know again hey we're shooting tomorrow actor dropped out I guess I'm gonna step in and say a couple lines you know I mean it's 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 what you do but and and, so, and that's not just exclusively the two of you several of your other crew members. Had roles in the movie as well. Uh, a handful, I wouldn't mm-hmm. say. So. Well, okay, I know who you're thinking. Yeah, I mean, yes, there, there's, yeah, a few. Yeah, um, sometimes those people actually audition though. You know, a lot, a lot of times crew people are also actors and want to act, and, and they do the crew side of things to make money. And while they're because acting is such a, it's sporadic. It's such a sporadic thing. Yeah, you get a job and you don't work for three months, or you know, it's it's that's it's hard. It's a hard not life. <laughs> It's a difficult uh, way to make a living, um, yes. and you, I have a lot of respect for the people who managed to, to do it full time, because uh, it is a difficult way to make a living. Blimey, that was interesting. I never knew making a motion picture was so involved. Very interesting stuff. I just want to say thank you to Chris Etheridge and Jason Palmer for coming out and talking to us about their film, The Morningside Monster. You can check out this film on January 14th, 2014 at the Plaza on Ponce de Leon in Atlanta at 7 and 9.45. So, for Chris, Larry, and Harvey, I'm Tina saying, see you in Morningside! So, turn it down. Yeah, I was about to say. This episode of Achieving Reality, the podcast, has been brought to you by The Morningside Monster. Hello, everyone. Do you like a great suspense-filled film? Do you like supporting local films and local filmmakers? Well, then, I've got just what you want. Get your tickets now for The Morningside Monster, a locally made and produced film written and directed by two, well, locals that are extremely talented and we at AR Productions and Pop Culture Architects are happy to call friends. Grab your tickets right now for the Morningside Monster, showing January 14th, 2014 at the Plaza in downtown Atlanta on Ponce de Leon. The Morningside Monster, January 14th, 2014 at 7 and 9.45 p.m. There will be a Q&A session after each screening with some of the cast and crew. Buy your tickets now! The Morningside Monster, January 14th, 2014 at the Plaza at 7 and 9.45 p.m. Go see it!